0: Hello again, and welcome to Healthcare Marketing Insights for the week of May 10, 2010. This is Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We're the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. And we're joined today by... Adam Meyer, design director at Interval. And Jackie Rataco, a quirk, account coordinator at Interval. That's a mouthful.
1: A quirky... You're Corky, a Corky, a Corky <laughs> coordinator.
0: <laughs> Do you, at least your name's not Corky. Do you guys know anybody named Corky? That's my friend's nickname. Just the uh, TV guy,
1: the TV guy. Somebody on a TV. Isn't there a series with a kid named Corky?
0: Oh, that's like. I mean, this so-called life or something or life. I'm not
1: sure. Something like that. Yeah. I think he had. He had a. Uh, he had some kind of a handicap. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, he had
0: Down syndrome. But it wasn't that was
1: what it was. Yeah.
0: It wasn't this so called life. It was something to do with life. Upa di, upa do, life goes on. Oh, that was the theme song. <laughs> la 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 <laughs> life yeah. goes on. It must have been Life Goes On. I can find out. Hold on. You... Well I'll keep going. Well, on. let's not hold on. Yeah, you can you can find out. But I think that's right. Yeah, that's old though. That's like from the nineties or the eighties. Yeah, so life I've goes on, you're it. right. Never saw it? No, I've never heard of it. I just, I just always think of Corky Romano. Yeah, that's another Corky. That's not a good yeah. Corky, though. That's not a, that was a horrible movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's Life one.
1: was on. September 12, 1989 to May 23, 1993. Life goes on? Yep. Mm-hmm. This, the show centers on the Thatchers, Drew and his wife Elizabeth, and their children, Rebecca and Charles, who is known as Corky.
0: Oh, that yeah. wasn't his real name? Um, I guess not. Oh, okay. Why would it be? <laughs> well, that's what I mean. I mean, there's not many people called Corky, but No. If I were named Corky, I'd probably get another nickname. <laughs> I'd call myself Charles. <laughs>
1: yeah, seriously.
0: <laughs> okay, so we wanted to do a new a new approach to the show, right? We're gonna do the five minute frenzy. Adam, you to do it. You have to insert some kind of cool like game frenzy. show sound five minute frenzy. Right. so we'll <laughs> we'll base this here's the deal with the five minute frenzy we will cover four tip four topics and we'll give only five minutes each okay and mm-hmm. then we'll we'll have to insert a buzzer at five minutes i don't know how we'll pull that off we'll try but we'll base the topics on last week i kind of traveled the country i spoke at two different conferences One at the Cincinnati uh, AMA chapter, which was in, you guessed it, Cincinnati. And then the other one was uh, a conference for Vishmapur, which I believe stands for the Virginia Society for Healthcare, Marketing, and Public Relations. What was the word? I just called it Vishmapur. But that's (laughs) that's like the acronym for it. There's an Ishmapur. In Illinois, which is the same, but to Illinois, so that's why I'm going with that. Uh, but that was in um, Charlottesville, Virginia. Cool. So you know, I spoke on different things. I spoke on marketing measurement at one, and why Joe Public doesn't care about your hospital at another. Uh, but there were some consistent themes that came out of both, uh, from what people were talking about, what they were asking about, and then from just from me talking to folks, you know, before and after, and from listening to some of the other conference uh, speakers. So, I thought, you know, I kind of pulled out the top four things that I thought people were dealing with or challenged by or seemed to be most animated about. So, I thought we'd just go down that list. Sound okay? That mm-hmm. works. Okay. Topic number one. Who, what was the show that did that? Old oh, McLaughlin Group. That's what Bruce this Chris Bevelo. <laughs> go. Jackie, Jackie, Joom, Joom. <laughs> wrong. Adam Meyer. Wrong. Adam Meyer, wrong. wrong. That's right. All right. Topic one. Bloggers and social media, but specifically bloggers. So I've heard this theme before, and it was actually at the end of a presentation on social media. Uh, but everybody was very, very uh, stressed out by the bloggers and their communities. Uh, you know, what do you do about folks that have taken it upon themselves to blog about your hospital in a negative way? Mm. Uh, and then, as kind of a subsidiary of that issue, what do you do about all the crazies that are on the comment section of your newspaper? Uh, that also take it upon themselves to comment about you, and of course they 're always you know inflammatory they 're always inaccurate uh all these bad things, but uh what do you do about them so that was uh definitely a hot issue so adam i 'm going to throw that to you first what's your uh what 's your take on those
1: well i th- I'd put those in two very distinct categories: one that you respond to and one that maybe you maybe you don 't respond to. And I would, I would say you've got bloggers on one hand. These are people who are voicing their opinions and they have, you know, they're, they're, they're staking their own reputation on it. Because typically a blogger is, you know, they're, they're, their blog is their name in a lot of cases. You know, sometimes they're an anonymous person who's writing about whatever the topic might be. But typically it's somebody who wants to be given credit for what they're writing about. So they're going to have right. their name out there. They're going to they're gonna take responsibility for what they're saying. Those I think are the kind of people that you can address directly. You can you can listen to their concerns, whatever they're saying about you. And I think I would say you can feel free to have a discussion with them, you know, a professional discussion, whether it's in in public on their blog or behind the scenes, however you want to do it. Then it comes to commenters. Commenters are people who have a name like JoJo Six Eighty Four or something. They have they don't. <laughs> You know they don't have they they say whatever they want because there are no repercussions for what they're saying. Right. They they they're not owning up to anything. They're hiding behind a fake name. You don't know who they are unless they happen to give something away. Those are the kind of people that I think you just simply you don't you, I can't, I, sh- I was going to say you simply ignore, mm-hmm. but that might be taking it too far. Um but I don't think you should expect to respond to them in the same way because they're not they're they're not engaging you. In a productive way for a conversation you know they're, they're probably making false claims they're hiding behind a, a fake name it's going to be very hard to engage in any kind of a meaningful dialogue with somebody who's already decided to take that approach right. um, but when it comes to somebody who is putting their name out there saying this is who i am this is was my experience or this is what i believe right those are the kind of people that i think you can they're, they're going to be open to having a constructive conversation i think typically um and i think i think you are safe to engage them mm-hmm. accordingly
0: yeah i think that's good advice and you know that was the the a lot of that was what the uh speaker was trying to say but people were so caught up you know in the audience in the emotion of it and um you know of course what you want to do and what the right thing to do is often different than what your ceo or others will allow you to do right uh, because they often have a reaction of just we need to counter this can you guys right. hear that your cat, your cat's in the background. <laughs> <I> have, uh, <laughs> I'm at home this afternoon, and I have two new kittens that I got for my kids. And as soon as the podcast started, they're going nuts. They're meowing into the mic. <laughs> they're <laughs> meowing. Back there. So I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna let you guys keep talking while I while I put them down in the room. But that was pretty much the advice. I mean, what do you do, Adam, if someone has taken it upon themselves to make it their cause, like their blog is specifically about uh, knocking you down? A former employee a patient who's been robbed you know what do you think about that
1: hmm. uh well
0: you know obviously i think
1: first and foremost seek uh, legal advice have your lawyer involved um find out what the what what the recommendations are on that end or what the ramifications are legally before engaging in any kind of a conversation or what you know what you can and cannot say i think i think it's safe to in some fashion engage in dialogue with that person because you're going to I don't know. I think you're going to, you're going to come off better to the people who are reading that particular resource. Um, and that, that you, that you, that you, it shows that you're aware. It shows that you're watching. It shows that you are taking even somebody who is that vocal, you know, that negative, um, strongly into consideration in terms of how you're shaping your services. I just think it's going to shed a, shed a positive light on you in, in that particular situation. Um, but you know, Chris, back to kind of what you were, you were talking about earlier—that this topic came up over and over—and you know, I, oftentimes when I've when I've been in a discussion with healthcare marketers and this topic comes up, it's always a, a what if scenario. Very rarely is it, um, you know, we are doing this, we are we are using right. social media active, we are, and you know, we have bloggers out there who are saying these things. Very, very rarely is it this is happening. How do we respond? It's what if this happens. Yeah. And we're not gonna do we're just not even gonna do anything because we're scared out of our minds that this might happen and we don't know what to do. Um I don't know chance if you know, if you're providing a great service and you are, you know, you've with a strong reputation and and there's you know, people there's you're always gonna have somebody who's gonna have a, a complaint about your service because, you know, somebody they interacted with, with was having a bad day. They're just the kind of person who takes everything the wrong the wrong way and they're gonna complain about it. Right. But I don't know. I mean, it's just if you're providing a great service, you're a great organization, you know, chances are you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have a lot more good to say. There's gonna be a lot more people who have good to say about you. And you probably don't need to be that concerned about people who are gonna say, if, you know, who are gonna be negative. Chances are slim somebody's gonna start a blog dedicated entirely to ripping on your
0: services. Right. Sure. Slamming your hospital. Yeah. Well, I'd love to give more input on that, but we've exceeded our 5-minute limit. Ding. So, we're going to move on. <laughs> Beep. Next topic, I don't know how we're going to cover this in 5 minutes. Yeah, Breaking really. down silos. So, this is something that came up uh relative to uh primarily talking about marketing measurement, uh but of course it's kind of an affliction that we've seen in many organizations, which is how do you work cross-functionally uh in the marketing uh, purview? Uh, how do you work with service line directors how do you get them to work together uh boy I wish I had the magic 5 minute solution to that no kidding I mean you guys have never seen silos in hospitals right oh god no that's why I
1: well probably the biggest reason that I left working directly in the industry to you know being a on the consultants side it, it's a it's a major frustration I mean it's a frustration when you're you know on this side of the on this side of the equation too it's God, it's frustrating. It certainly is not isolated to our industry. I mean, you see this across the board and any, typically any large organization has got that silo mentality going on. Right. Um, but it's, it's frustrating, you know, and I, but I think, you know, one question you asked there, Chris, was how do you engage some of these people in these different areas? You know, I think my advice would be to, you know, some people say you should go in their guns a blazing and be, be the expert and tell them, tell them how, you know, how they should be marketing. But I, I would say the opposite. I would say, well, not necessarily the opposite, but, but I would approach it differently. I think I would come in, you know, assuming you're a partner with this person asking for their input or their ideas up front first, and then, you know, mold their ideas into something so that they're actively engaged with you from the first day that you say anything to them until, you know, down the road into your relationship. Um, I don't know. I felt, I felt like that was a failure point in many, many situations um, when I worked directly in a hospital marketing department. Um, it didn't, it didn't feel like, um, marketers would come at various service lines that way. Um, sometimes it it started with more of a lecturing tone rather than a partnering tone. Um, so I think my, one of my biggest words of advice would be don't make sure you start off those relationships the right way and engage people properly. You know, I think you can come at some people being the brainy expert telling them how it's going to be, but I don't know. You really have to uh, assess the situation and figure out who it is you can come off like that with. Because I don't, I don't think it's going to be very many people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it. You know, think about this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a little bit of a response. But Jack, you think about your past life and politics and the firm you worked for before and see if some of this applies to it. But uh, I mean, I think it's what what politicians are you know, so famous for and what they're best at is when you're trying to get something done, politicians rarely get their way. They rarely, you know, in politics, you never get the perfect solution. You always get a solution that that can get done, which means it's never perfect, right? And so, they're really good at helping the other person see what's in it for them. And this is just classic marketing, one-on-one again. I mean, we always talk about how when you're talking to consumers, you want to be very clear about, well, what what's in it for you in this message uh, or what we're trying to tell you about, uh, not, you know, what's in it for us, but what's in it for you. Uh, and I think the same holds true for breaking down silos, you know. So to your point, Adam, if you're going in there and it's all about what you want, well, you're very clear about what's in it for you. Uh, meeting yourself mm-hmm. you you want this and you want that, but uh if you want somebody to engage you differently, if you want them to uh support what you're doing, if you want them to be a partner and really trying to find a solution, start with well you know what's what do you guys need out of this and and what are your pain points and uh what are you struggling with and uh you know I am here to help you, so let 's start there, and i've got all kinds of things I can bring to the table before I even go there let's talk about you first I mean that's it's so obvious sometimes but it's easily forgotten in the day-to-day uh especially when uh you know a lot of times you're dealing with difficult people or difficult situations but uh you know did you ever see that in in operation Jackie in in the agency you work for as far as um how people dealt with politicians or with some of the affinity groups you had to work with um no (laughs) (laughs) You got a lot to see there. I was like, how am I going to pull politics into this conversation? You Um, didn't see that? You didn't, I mean, maybe you didn't see, I mean, you worked with, I should back up. The agency Jackie worked for before she started here a few years ago was uh, political advertising and political marketing. Right. And so uh, I don't know if you saw a lot of negotiation or a lot of, you know, legislation and that kind of horse trading going on. Um, but I just know, I'm sure you encounter politicians. Yes. Oh, definitely. Don't you think that's part of their skill is like all of a sudden they make you feel like you're the most important thing in the world at that moment. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's how they get your, you know, that's how they get your vote. That's how they get you to think that this guy cares about me because they're really adept at, you know, making you feel like, you know, I may be somebody famous. I may be the governor, I may be a senator, but for this five seconds, you're the most important thing in the world to me. Right. And even though some people think that's kind of smarmy or it's kind of the downfall of them, I mean, a lot of people can learn from that. Yeah, you know, exactly. Definitely. I yep. see what you mean now. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Well, guess what? On to the next topic. We did good on that one. How about this one? Here's another Here's another five-minute doozy. Head on the back. Topic three, convincing leadership of doing things the right way. So... You know, I'm talking about Joe Public doesn't care about your hospital. I'm talking about investing in measuring your market results. And inevitably, people are struggling with, well, how do I get my leadership to see things this way? How do I get them, you know, away from this standard? They're advertising that way, so we should advertise this way. And uh, kind of that groupthink mentality. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another one that I wish I had the magic bullet to in five minutes, uh, and we talk about this one quite a bit but I think some of the things from our last conversation uh, hold true right? Helping you know trying to understand what they're up against trying to understand what are they struggling with or how can you help them uh, before you beat down their door with some of these messages right? Mm -hmm. Yeah
1: well you know I think the first thing you need to do is hire professionals to come in you tell them exactly what you've been telling your leadership for the last five years (laughs) Those professionals will then regurgitate what you told them, and then the leadership will buy in, and you'll get everything done. You think wow!
0: So? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we joke Simple. about that all the time. That's pretty frustrating, right, for hospital marketers? Uh, yeah. Maybe but they and frustrating. Do they also what? do they always listen to consultants though? Well, leaders um, like not. consultants. Yeah. And so, yeah, the stereotype is, you know, the healthcare marketer will be saying, we need to get on social media, we need to get on social media, we need to get on social media. And the leader's like, you know, no, 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 no. And then you bring in a an expert who goes, you should be on social media. And the leader goes, wow, we should be on social media. <laughs> and the healthcare marketer, you know, the VP or the director wants to punch themselves in the face. But, you know, yeah, that's a, that's kind of a cynical answer. Unfortunately, it actually Sometimes cynical answers work, don't they?
1: <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they do. Well the p- part of
0: the problem with this is we're you know, our organizations are so in tune with what others are doing. Like we talked about the last podcast, you know, if what you're saying is accurate, why don't I see everybody else doing it? Why is everybody else doing it another way? Even when you can say, Well, everybody else is doing it in a stupid way or a bad way or an effective way or a tired way or the same way or whatever, um, it's hard for us to break through with some of these things until we break through. You know what I mean? It's a chicken or the egg. We can't Mm -hmm. get people to adopt some of these ideas because nobody's adopting these ideas. Right. (laughs) So it takes a leader. It takes somebody who's innovative. And so you got to start with hopefully having that kind of leadership. But what other things can we say that aren't cynical or discouraging?
1: Well, dig up examples, you know, dig up solid examples Preferably from your own industry, or or even from other industries. Things that show results, um, show actions needed to be taken, show how it's relevant to what you're doing, and how it can be beneficial. You know, it's kind of a general answer, but I think there's a lot of weight there in that I don't think, or at least in my experience, um, oftentimes you wouldn't see that brought to the table first. You would see ideas brought to the table. You wouldn't necessarily see concrete examples of those ideas, um, working elsewhere. Now that of course is the, you know, kind of taking the everybody else doing it approach. If you're bringing things to the table that, you know, are, that are just that, and it's easier, it's easier to find examples when it is stuff that other people are doing. Um, the the tricky part is going to be new ideas, things that um, are innovative, um, that you're not going to be able to find examples for. And, you know, that's tough. I think some, you know, sometimes you may have to go out on a, on, on a ledge and, um, you know, experiment a little bit so you can bring some kind of results back internally. Uh, maybe not launching a full blown campaign, but, you know, testing, testing the waters a little bit, seeing, bringing back some examples of how things work on a smaller scale and see if, uh, see if you can get buy-in to move it forward on a, on a larger scale.
0: You know, another thing that that people brought up is what we've talked about in the past was kind of having the the two fronts on the war where the one front is where you do the politically driven, um, kind of old standard stuff. And then another front is where you try Mm -hmm. to move the ball on more sophisticated, proven, uh, maybe the right way of marketing. You know, another approach to that would be to go to your leadership and say, you know, I know that you are under pressure a lot of times to do things that even you don't believe in, or you see marketing as a means to another end It may not be a marketing end. It may be a political end. It may be a physician relations end, whatever. And we understand that you have to do that. Uh, But can we have, are you okay with this allocating 10% of our budget to doing things the way, to doing stuff that we think is the right way, whether it's proven, whether you agree with it, whether, you know, we would only use this because we think it's going to move the marketing needle forward. It wouldn't just be for the fun of it. Uh, But we want to have the right, you know, one out of 10 times to say, right, we believe this is important. This this is something that you allow us to do, even though you're not sure it's going to work or whatever, because that's how we can help break through and start doing new and different things. Uh, I wonder how that would fly. I have not heard of a a marketer doing that. I've heard of that in other industries, though. I like that approach, though.
1: yeah. You know, another, another approach to consider as well, it, rather than taking ideas straight to leadership is to bounce them off other high level members of the organization. I mean, we all, we all know the the clout that physicians have when it comes to um, dealing with uh, upper management or leadership of an organization. Um, if you can get buy-in from a uh, physician, that certainly is going to help your cause when it comes to bringing new ideas to the table um, with your leaders.
0: That's, that's good. And that's also the end of our five minutes. All right, last one. <laughs> Wrong! <laughs> last topic, pricing. And I'll be specific here. Uh, we had some good conversation, in particularly in Cincinnati, uh, about uh, there was a billboard that was being run that said MRI is $700. And for that market, that was unique. Uh, I haven't heard of that uh in other markets but just curious what you guys think of actually you know marketing based on price when it comes to hospital services adam meyer go that's a tough one to be put on the
1: spot for <laughs> i have to give that a little bit wrong apart, actually <laughs> wrong speaking i think we lost jackie yeah on our i saw her. Call. Can, you, can you drag her drag her back in over there
0: I'll try. She's in the I room. I to bounce home. the question back off of her. Well, why don't you give your... While well, I try to drag her. See if you can... You don't have any answer to that? Well, pose the question again. I was actually trying to drag her back oh, in. Oh, I'm sorry. I think I missed, so I, there I think was I missed a, half your question. There was a billboard in the Cincinnati market that said MRI is $700. And the question came up, why would somebody be doing that? Who are they trying to target? Uh, and you know, then we got to a broader conversation about... Uh, you know, the value or in value of unvalue, whatever the opposite of value is, non-value of or danger of promoting pricing, marketing, pricing-based marketing or advertising for hospitals. And we came to a conclusion that the billboard was by, a, by an imaging center, not a hospital. And mm-hmm. we, we kind of all felt that that the target was folks who had high deductible plans who might shop around or be price sensitive. Uh, but, but it was, it was new to them in that market. And frankly, it's somewhat new. I haven't seen, you know, other than LASIK vision, you know, LASIK services, I haven't really Mm -hmm. seen much price oriented, uh, advertising for healthcare providers. So, uh, you know, just want to kind of see, well, what, what did we think of that?
1: Well, to be, to be frank, to be honest, I think that, um, I think we need, I think we need more of that. You know, not necessarily just speaking as a, as a marketer here, but just speaking as a healthcare consumer. I think one of the reasons that uh, healthcare has spir- costs have spiraled out of control is you know, every year after year we have we have new procedures, new tests, new equipment, and I think physicians feel obligated to to have their to to they, they feel obligated to have their patients experience these things, or they, they don't want to they want to cover their bases, they want to make sure they've captured everything and you've got patients who insist on being treated with the latest technologies and everything down to the oldest technologies that are tried and true. And pretty soon, you know, you're something that used to maybe be a, an exam and a quick test is now several tests and a number of exams involving many people. And, you know, it's all paid for by insurance. Um, I think it would be, I personally, I just think that if healthcare is going to continue to advance, which certainly we, we want it to and hope, hope it will as, as consumers, um, there are just certain things I think we're going to need to start getting used to paying for on some level. Um, yeah, I mean, LASIK's a good example. You know, we, a lot of us have health insurance that will cover eye exams on some level. Um, but you know, LASIK came out, it's a fairly new technology in the grand scheme of things. And it certainly isn't paid for by insurance, at least not, you know, not in the insurance I've ever had. Right. It's something that is new. And I expect that if that's something I want to leverage as part of my treatment or part of my cover, part of my procedures or how I want my eyes corrected, it's something I'm going to pay for. Um, So I don't know, I I guess I, as as a consumer who tries to look realistically at our situation when it comes to healthcare, I think we just need to feel, be a little less, feel a little less entitled to everything and start being realistic that this stuff isn't free and somebody has to pay for it.
0: Yes. Which is, I mean, I think I agree with you there, but are you, do you want to be the first hospital to try to make that case? I mean,
1: well, yeah, you know, I like, yeah, like I said, you know, I, I, I'm tr- uh, answering this question more as a consumer right, than, than a marketer right. or somebody coming from an organization, uh, you know, with, with, that organizational perspective. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess as a consumer, if more consumers felt that way, then I think some organizations could be willing to, to take that leap or or make that switch um, knowing that it wouldn't be, you know, have a a negative reception, but I don't know. I don't think our society is uh, quite on that page yet.
0: Right. And then from, you know, from the provider perspective, and you pointed out earlier, probably inadvertently, I mean, you can't price anything very simply because there's, you don't know what the, what all the you know different procedures may be needed or tests price depends on your coverage basically so what you what you would end up paying depends on what your insurance coverage is so there's no way to put a billboard up that says you know this is going to be the cost of something cuz it really depends on who you are and what your coverage is right. um so for something like that to work a it's got to be uh something that's simple enough like a test where there is one thing so an MRI uh, and then it has to be something that you as whoever that MRI center was or imaging center has to understand that, you know, they, they must specifically be targeting people who have a high enough deductible that 700 would matter because once you get down to the lower deductibles or regular insurance, uh, you're not going to care what the price is, or it's going to vary depending on reimbursement. But again, you don't care because you're not paying it. So, I mean, and then you get into the whole, do you want to be high price or low priced and uh, all of that? So, Oh my gosh! My cats got out of my. This is new for me. This this <laughs> whole having cats in here, and I locked them in the room, and they got out, which is a fairly scary proposition. Well,
1: the libertarian in me really wants to, would love to see free markets determine pricing when it comes to, um, when it comes to some of these new tests and procedures. It would it would just be it would be very interesting to see how that plays out if hospitals. Um had to start to compete against one another uh you know as businesses in that way with with costs on that level right they really don 't need to right now or they haven 't in the past anyway
0: no and they won 't in the foreseeable future even as right. even as we move forward some of this stuff will maybe will will be helped out if we actually get to bundling of care. So where if you have a heart attack, you know, there's no idea, no idea how you're going to price that right now, because you could be in the hospital four days. You could be in the hospital eight days. You could could have two tests. You could have 10 tests. You could have these Mm -hmm. drugs. Uh, But we're trying to move to a place where something like a heart attack would be bundled and it would be X. It would be X. So in other words, the insurance company reimbursed the hospital and the physicians X amount of dollars for that incident, no matter what kind of care was provided Right. Uh, which would force the hospitals and physicians to figure out how to do it most efficiently. Well, right. if that was the case, then you could say if you came to, if you know, if, I guess you wouldn't shop for a heart attack, but knee replacement surgery would cost 10 grand at our hospital, no matter what, or it would cost 20 over here. And then you would have to start distinguishing, well, why is it worth 20? Why should you pay t- twice as much here as over there? Well, maybe we have better doctors. Maybe, you know, you get extra, uh, you know, get Wi Fi. Well, who knows what it is but that would be the best case scenario we're just so far from that in the system i don't know if we'll ever get there and certainly not in a 5 minute frenzy topic <laughs> but anyway right right so but we did a good job of at least laying those topics out don't you think in 5 minutes yeah we would definitely. be uh we'd be very very wealthy people if we could solve <laughs> them in 5 minutes <laughs> But well, I don't got... know.
1: I th- I think I solved it. I don't know about you. Well, okay,
0: they're all solved. Next, <laughs> next week on Five Minute Frenzy, we solve world peace, global warming, and what? I don't know. I'm thinking, trying to think of another issue. Skype calls that drop Skype, all the time. Skype,
1: <laughs> drop, drop, Skype calls.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, we better end there because we're pushing our time limit. Yep. Damn, we are. We're we're not going to get Jackie back, so. Oh, well, I'll sign up for her. So, for Jackie taco. this is <laughs> Adam Chris, Be- Chris Bevelo. We're Interval. And thanks for joining us for the podcast. We will talk to you next week on Healthcare Marketing Insights.